On episode 207 of the Tennis Files podcast, you'll learn how to win the big points with Mark Jeffrey and Ramon Osa. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s inspired style and cutting edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Tennis Files Podcast, bringing you advice from the top minds in tennis to help you improve your game. And now, here's your host, Mehrban Iranshad. Do you feel like you have the potential to achieve a lot more in your tennis than you have thus far? Do you have trouble on the mental side of things when you play your matches? Well, then this episode is a great one for you because we have on... Mark Jeffrey, who is a high performance coach and the founder of Big Point Player Training, and he mentors players and coaches on how to perform their best under high pressure situations. And we also have Ramon Osa, who is a friend of the podcast at the Summit and uh, has been on them before, obviously. And he is a world class tennis coach and the founder of Osa Tennis 360. And so this is actually the first time, I believe, on the podcast that I've had two other guests or, you know, two guests, uh, you know, on at the same time to, uh, to speak with me. So that was a lot of fun. I obviously did a little bit of less talking because we had some great information from both Mark and Ramon. And we talked about mental toughness displayed in the Wimbledon finals matches. We actually recorded this one on Monday. So the day after the men's final and two days after the women's final. And we talked about the key elements of uh, performing your best and a lot of key insights into Mark's training and uh, the key areas that have provided his students with the most benefit, as well as Ramon's experiences dealing with pressure and the main uh, principles that he's learned that have been most effective for him. So definitely a great episode for you to listen in on. And there is also a free quiz that you can check out. The link is in the show notes. And the, uh, the URL is mehrban.thewinningformula.tennis. So that's M-E-H-R-B-A-N dot thewinningformula.tennis. And again, it's just a free quiz to help you assess where you're at with respect to uh, the mental game and just overall um, your your game and how you are performing. So definitely check that out. That is an affiliate link, um, but the quiz is totally free to take. All right, with that, I would like to present you the interview with Mark and Ramon. So here it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome to this episode of the Tennis Falls podcast. It's really an honor and a pleasure to have with me Mark Jeffrey and Ramon Osa. Uh, and you've probably seen Ramon before on my summits and on the podcast. And Mark is also a fantastic expert to bring along. And we're going to target specifically the mental game and uh, Mark's great system, uh, which is the big point player tennis training. So uh, Mark and Ramon. And by the way, this is the first time I've had uh, three people uh, instead of just the normal two person interview. So this is going to be fun. But uh, welcome to you both. Awesome. Appreciate you all Thank joining. You. Thanks for having us, man. This is going to be great. Yeah, for yeah. sure. I'm, we're going to have a lot of fun here. So uh, as we're recording, this, this is actually the day after 
the uh, the men's final and two days after the women's final. So uh, we're definitely going to touch upon that. But I just want to ask you both uh, for your your impressions on uh, on the finals matches. Ramon, you kick off. Go on. Well, you know, as a staunch uh, Federer fan and an admirer of Djokovic, I was uh, hoping that that Berrettini would come out and somehow find a way to win in that first set. I was I was pretty hopeful, but you just knew, you know, you knew the whole time that Djokovic was just getting ready to kick into that next gear. Um, so I don't think any of us are surprised that he won in four. Uh, not to say Berrettini didn't have his chances, it's just it all comes down to those big points, right? And uh, Berrettini uh, didn't find a way, and Djokovic did like he always does. And then uh, with Barty and Pliskova, I mean, I just love watching Barty play, first of all. She, she really gets it from the whole, the whole package, right? She understands pressure. She used to play, uh, I think, competitive cricket. Is that right? Yeah, she, she did. played yeah, cricket. Yeah. And Pliskova looked good. Yep, she, Pliskova looked good in the second set. Uh, Barty was carving her up with that backhand slice over and over again. And again, it came down to just a few points in each of those games. Uh, which, you know, me and Mark will, will talk with you guys about today, but uh, it was awesome. And my wife was going crazy the whole time because she's, she's uh, pretty passionate too. So it's great to watch. Awesome, Ramon. One How about you, Mark? Well, one of my nightmares is tossing for ends playing against Djokovic. And then you suddenly look up into his face and his eyes and you, you see a bottomless pit of assassin warrior you go okay i give you the match now jock is that okay so uh he's robotic and he's dedicated his life to continual growing growing continual learning deselecting the unnecessary you have i have to i think people have to admire what he's dedicated his life to and people may not find it beautiful i do um but it's effective yeah, hundred percent, Mark. And you were talking before we hit the record button about uh, Ash Barty and you know how she won the first fourteen points. So can you uh, expound upon that yeah. a bit more? Yes. Um, so, uh, f- so first of all, I, and we'll get onto it later. But I don't think I think very few people, even the 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 elite pros, don't really know what pressure is. They don't know why it invades the body. They never train under simulated pressure. They kind of just do their best. And you can train a lot of that on the court. But when you have that long walk from the men or the ladies' changing room and you're walking past the military that are there and then you're going down the steps and you see the Rudyard Kipling if poem and you can see all the names engraved onto the board and then you stand there, well... You've got a lot of time to think. And, and possibly then all the training goes out the window and you then obviously walk onto the court and you do the toss-up and uh, do a couple of minutes warm-up and then the umpire says, you know, ladies' championship final. And then 14 points go past. It's easy. And then I think that what she did do well was actually find a way into the match. And who knows if she'd started off without gifting 14 points. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, great observations from you both. And yeah, it was pretty impressive that, um, that Ash Barty also kept her nerve, you know, even though she had the, uh, the match in her pocket in the second set, I think up a break and, um, you know, lost yeah. that to Pliskova and, and still managed to, to recover. So what, what, what's the key in that instance, you know, when, when a player, they, they think they have the match won and then they let the lead slip. So what's the key to actually resetting in that situation? Whoa. Gosh, right. Cutting it short. First of all, Djokovic was uh, one of his many interviews after Wimbledon. And what he went on about a lot was that he spends as much time on mental and emotional training than he does on physical and ball hitting uh, with the ability to bounce back and reset and be in the present. And where he is today to where he was a few years ago is much, much quicker. Uh, so we have a number of mentors. I have a Kung Fu master that's been a Kung Fu master for 28 years. And one of his favorite sayings to me, Mark, is winning or losing is like having a cup of tea. So if you can be trained to strip out the emotions and the what ifs and just be in the present and have processes to kick in and then execute the point and reset, go through your processes, kick in, play the point, you can be into a, uh, a little machine that just keeps on going. As soon as you step out of your process, then thoughts, feelings, and emotions have a chance to invade you. And it's like a virus. It's like COVID coming into you. So even though you know the virus is in, it's really difficult to get the virus back out. So I think the, pro the training is to make sure that there is no opportunity to the virus to get in and have a little hook. And then you just need to play. Do not, do not look at the scoreboard because the scoreboard is a, a, a feeder for emotions and, that, and emotions dictate how you play. Whether you want a great point, you've got emotions. Whether you've got a bad point and shanked it, there are emotions. Emotions don't help you. So the training is to strip the emotions out, play, assassin-like one point at a time, which is what every coach told you when you started off, Murban. Yeah, they said two things. One, keep your eye on the ball. Two, play every point as a point. And only, yeah, and only, the, elite, and only the elite do both those things. Yeah, uh, great points. And I've got a couple of follow-up questions. I guess one would be, you know, I, I know you talked about not looking at the score or anything, but how do we separate ourselves when, you know, we do know the score in our head, like you obviously, you know, usually we'll call it out before each point. So how do we, how do we still separate ourselves uh, despite that issue? Okay. So obviously there's a challenge and obviously it is there percolating. <clears throat> um, so I have a, I, so I wear a badge of pride that I don't know what the score is. And most people, if they don't know what the score, they feel foolish and silly that they don't know what the score is. So it, it takes some training to play one point at a time. Uh, and probably the nearest that I will get to playing points is play naught to four points where the opposition points don't count. Okay, so I'm just playing first to one, and then first to two, first to three, and I might be lucky enough to get to four, in which case the game is done unless we're in juice. So, yeah, the whole training is to 
and that's why it's a challenge, and that's why a uh, few people do it. Uh, to strip out the emotions and the knowledge of the score and just play what's in front of you, be 100% present. Because as soon as you're thinking about the future, as soon as you're thinking about the past, you've got less and less where it counts right now. Yeah. Um, I could give you a stat just to illustrate something, which uh, and Ramon and I are full of stats, and we get off on this. So uh, there was a recent survey of the ATP Top 100 on what on how much they thought mental uh, accounted to their ability to step out from the pack of top 200, top two, 300, and get into top 100. And they, they allocated 40% of mental training was their ability to separate themselves. And the more they, they went up from 150, 50, 10, 10 to 4, the more that 40% went up to 60%, 70%. So the question for everybody listening now is just mentally think, well, over the decades, how many hours have you spent hitting balls, improving technique, getting better? Just think about what that figure is. And then ask yourself, did you spend 40% of the time on mental and emotional training? Or 50 or 60%? And the answer is probably, well, I didn't even spend 4%. So... We know that you know, movement and hitting, as Ramon likes to say, is your entrance ticket to pressure and big points, but your exit ticket is your identity and your thoughts and your emotions. So it always, when you know that, it always strikes you as, well, why don't people train what's going to win? Why do they just train what's going to play better? Yeah, yeah, no. Go ahead. Just Ramon. to follow up with that, Mirabond, I think the, you know, the tricky thing is even if you're sitting in a corner and you're meditating every morning and you're getting a hold of those thoughts, feelings, and emotions, you're developing a skill, which is an important skill of detachment and getting out of those, those nervous thoughts and feelings. But unless you're integrating that type of training within the context of a tennis match and being in a point and being from 15 to 30 to 40, um, Mark calls it training in silos. You're training a skill that is not integrated necessarily with the totality of skills that you're going to need to go out and execute uh, in a match. So I think one of the keys is finding ways to bring those elements of pressure uh, and accountability and scoring into your training and making everything super accountable layering in that pressure so that when you get to the big moments, you've been there so many times. And you, in fact, you've done the training to a point where the training was harder than the actual match. You were going through more distractions, more different things with pressure so that when you get into the match, you've been there so many times you've built real belief because you've seen yourself execute in those situations over and over again. Um, so I think that's a big part of it too. Yeah, Ramon, great points. And how do you uh, pr uh, create that environment of pressure? Like, what are some examples? Great. So we have nine layers of pressure in our training program um, that you go through progressively. So the first one is, first of all, everything is done with targets because targets are binary. You know, you're either <laughs> you're either hitting the target or you're not. And there's there's no way around that. You gotta you gotta hit the target. And you can start with a big target uh, and you want to get to a point where you're executing that target at 70% uh, 
uh, or better. And then obviously your reward is a smaller target. Um, and then you can add layers of revolutions and power and all that stuff. But hitting the targets is first. Then the second part is personal accountability. So actually saying to whoever you're training with, saying out loud, I'm going to hit my serve to this location and I'm going to hit my forehand to this location. So now you've got an audible layer of accountability where everybody's going to know if I, if I screw up and I hit a perfect serve down the tee, but I was aiming out wide, that didn't accomplish the goal. Uh, and then we have other ones, so dynamic exercise. So obviously in tennis, we're playing two to three second points, maximum intensity, moving with aggressiveness. Then we got 25 seconds to rest and recover. So we bring in layers of dynamic exercise in between having to execute um, our patterns. And then we've got other things like distractions. So like if you're with a coach, you could have them, you know, yell, uh, eucalyptus, right, is you're about to serve and see if you can actually go out and execute after he did everything he could to. And Mark loves this, by the way. And Mark, if I'm missing anything, uh, jump in here. We've got... Uh, uh, well, the only other thing would the, be gamification, I think. We've got different scoring systems to play with your brain as you're aiming for a target. And most of our targets would at least an element of the target would be outside the white line. So we really do play for targets and we get points for hitting targets. And unlike serving into the box where there's a, a large area that's in and there's a small area that's out, with us we have a small area that's in and a large area that's out. And the reason for saying what you're going to do is that we, all of us, including me, if we're going to serve down the tee, but we don't get it in the tee, but we get it in the box, but somehow we just immediately forgive ourselves. It doesn't occur to us that we didn't do what we said we we're going to do. So accountability uh, and the I will and honoring the promise to yourself is part of the training. Um, and probably the thing that Ramon didn't allude to there is that we do train all the things at the same time. So tactics ability to execute the tactics, the simulation of pressure. Uh, and whilst doing that, then we can flush out the thoughts or the feelings or the emotions that occur to you. So at exactly the same time, we can train the three inches by three inches space between the ears, which is about the winning the points, at the same time as the four foot six by 78 feet, which is the, the width and the length of the alley. And then that brings us on to us training in the alley because the court is not the big court that we think the court is. The court is made up of alleys. So if you train with an alley, you can find out very quickly, do you spray the ball or does your serve or does your forehand or whatever hit the alley consistently? Because if you can't do it in training, you won't be able to do it in the match. Does that make sense or... Have I in particular just gone off on one? No, no, that sounds, uh, that makes a lot of sense to me. Uh, and appreciate you both for, for the insight there. In terms of, um, you know, situations that players encounter that they have a lot of trouble with, um, you know, I guess one in particular is when you're facing somebody who's like a higher seed and, you know, a lot of times players, they just end up, uh, you know, mentally they're, they're already done. So, I mean, how do you coach your players um, to, to, you know, give themselves a chance uh, before they play these uh, high-ranked players? 
these are so good questions. Um, and the first of all, one of the one of the driving forces of getting into this training was me playing as Army Number One against RAF Number One at Wimbledon. Typical underdog, not expected to win. Get into the winning position. Find a way to self sabotage yourself. So that kind of got me off on the path. Um, so whether you are playing somebody worse than yourself, because that is also a challenge, or whether you're playing somebody better than yourself, the game is for you to hit your targets. The game is for you to do two-shot combinations. Um, just like a boxer does two-shot combinations, the military train in two-shot combos, we as tennis players should be serving out wide, running around your forehand, hitting into the backhand cage. We should be in the disrupting of the baseline to baseline, drag them wide past the alley, open up the court, execute the court. So provided we are playing in our targets, then that's all that we're trying to do. And the targets are there because they're evidence-based. Data says you will win the majority of the points if you hit the targets. So if you're playing somebody a lot better than you, Instead of trying to play tennis and be in the, in the fight, you're just having a competition with yourself that says, can I hit the target? And by and large, if you hit the target, you'll do well. And that technique also comes into play when you're playing people worse than yourself, because as we know, we all go or can go mentally AWOL and then find it difficult to come back. And now you're scrapping against somebody you know you should win. And again, if you were just Djokovic like playing your targets, playing the one twos, before you know it, you're just rolling all over them and the match is done. Fantastic, Mark. Love that uh, that system that you've outlined, uh, which is pretty simple and you know works against a multitude of different opponents. So uh, I was curious too to ask you, Mark, about um, how your time uh, serving in the army uh, you know shaped your philosophy on the mental game and tennis yes and 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 yes obviously it is mental but i just want to stress at the very same time it's emotional it's about identity it's about the ability to ball strike with tactics so all of that at the same time whilst layering pressure on you and knowing what pressure is is what we train so we would like to think that what we train is the ability to win on autopilot of which mental is part and parcel of it. Um, so many things happen about So yes, army officer, served for 12 years, different parts of the world, uh, army tennis champion, played at Wimbledon many years on the trot after the main draw, of course. We used to play about a month afterwards against uh, the RAF and the Navy. And I was just like every other tennis player, i.e. clueless on the game within the game. So I would uh, roar like a lion. Uh, I would, you know, be mentally tough, fight my way through it. Um, but really being clueless about the game of closing out compared to the rest of the game. Um, and this happened years later. So the, these were disconnected dots that I put together when I was in my semi-retired mode and it just occurred to me, well, everybody talks about the ability to win is how you handle pressure. Everybody talks about uh, the big point player 
and nobody says pressure is great for you and here's how you can be a big point player. Uh, so I went back to my Northern Ireland days with training with my staff sergeant. Um, and what the military do is train, as Ramon said, mind, body, identity, uh, skills, tactics as one piece of training. They don't have silos. And I said to him, like staff, I can do all this. I am concerned, which was code for, I'm frightened about what I will do when I lead my troop down the street. And no, there's a sniper a mile away or a crowd comes around the corner with Molotov cocktails. I am bricking it. What will I do? Uh, and staff says, trust the training, sir. The training will kick in. You know, decades later, well, a decade later, it's like, well, why isn't there training for tennis that you can trust and will automatically kick in under pressure when you need it most? And that's what set me off. Uh, and you will not be surprised to know, as I'm not a very creative person, the name of the training is called the trust method. Um, so, yeah, that, that starts me off. Uh, so much of the much of the training is based on how the military train, you know, ordinary, spotty, young officers or apprentices to perform at their very best when they have to. Uh, but then I saw Djokovic being interviewed by Jay Shetty, and he accredited his turnaround from his two years uh, hero zero hero on the spiritual training. So we dug quickly into the, the Tao, which is the underlying spiritual philosophy of Kung Fu that goes back to 1000 BC. Uh, we had some Tony Robbins and Landmark Education personal transformation training in there and two world-class tennis coaches. So four different disciplines brought together into one method, trialed for four years online and offline, making it simpler till we finally get, look, this is the minimum that you need to do. You can cut you can catch up of decades of not training and in 30 to 60 days start beating people that you've always narrowly lost to so long answer to your question great stuff mark so ramon um i know you've obviously been working with mark uh for a while now what what is maybe one thing that you have taken from speaking with him in, in this training that you think has really helped you the most? Cause I know you, you play um, obviously. So well, what's the, maybe one, one or two that, that have really impacted you the most uh, out of uh, all of Mark's uh, teaching principles? Well, if, if you guys watched any of my videos, you know, I wasn't a, a natural athlete as a, as a kid. I started at tennis at 16 almost morbidly obese. I was, I was pretty overweight and got pretty decent at tennis and got addicted to it, started playing all the time. And I got into college. I thought it was pretty good. We would go out and train all the time. I was feeling good. We got into an intramural final uh, against the, the top team in our, our, uh, in our college. And the girl that I liked was there watching. And, you know, my partner and I were up, we had two match points <laughs> And all of a sudden, in the back of my head, I just start hearing this voice that's saying, what do you think you're doing? You know, you're not a natural athlete. You don't have a big serve. You know, you, you have no place being, you know, on the court with these guys. Like these, these are the kinds of thoughts that are going through my head. 
and double fault the next two points. Patty cake and next serve in, they crush it. Next thing we know, we're walking off the court. We've lost the deciding match. And what I think this training has helped me with the most is creating a new story of what is actually possible as a tennis player. So I only ever played doubles. And when I met Mark, Mark came to me and, and he's looking for some help sort of getting this method out there. And he says, oh, it's amazing. And, you know, me as a marketer, I've, I've heard just about it's everything the best. that's out there. No one else does it. Nobody else has ever done this before. How many times have we heard that? So I, I had to put this thing to the test. And as someone who always considered himself a doubles player, because uh, I wasn't fast enough, strong enough, all that stuff, I thought, well, the ultimate test would be to put a stake in the ground as a singles player uh, and do the training, go actually go through the 30-day program, got a court at the house, I could go out and actually train this uh, with my daughter, actually, who's hand-feeding me the balls uh, and having a great time as I go through with my tongue hanging out, by the way. So she, so we do this How training. How old your daughter? I, uh, she's 11 now uh, and okay. going on 16. So, so not a fearsome opponent down at the baseline. <laughs> no, nope. So uh, anyway, long story short, I enter the league as a singles player, um, having gone through the training at World Team Tennis, going up against, you know, high four O's and four fives, tough matches all around, but did not lose a single set uh, the entire time going through a singles program. So the story that was going through my head of, oh, I was only a doubles player. I was probably too slow, didn't have a big enough serve. All of that stuff was instantly gone after that experience because went through the training. And as Mark said, it's all about bringing all of those disciplines of the, the tactics and the execution and the pressure and the sort of identity that Mark talked about. Of, like, what do you actually think about yourself in those big moments, because that's, that's how we're going to perform ultimately, you know, up to that level. So long answer, but I would say, you know, sort of my story. And that's what we hear a lot from our students is their story of what they thought was possible shifted, you know, in a, in a really small amount of time. Introducing Coco Golf's signature shoe, more than just a tennis shoe. It's a fusion of 90s-inspired style and cutting-edge performance technology with its sleek mid-cut silhouette. It's designed to enhance speed and power on the court. The multi-piece upper construction delivers high-energy return for players of all levels. Whether you're a seasoned pro or just starting out, the Coco CG1 empowers you to dominate the game. Learn more and purchase the Coco CG1 at NewBalance.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Can I chip in for one minute, Mervan? Sure. Because it is, it is trauma. When we're in these pressure situations, it is akin to trauma. And we are a pattern-generating, meaning-making machine. So we've only got to be under trauma once or twice, and it doesn't go well. Then the very next time we're in that situation, the pattern generating machine says you know what happens now don't you 
And the meaning making machine says, you never play well under this, do you? And then it just repeats ad nauseum until you have some training, as Ramon says, to create a new story, to do the training, see the story become a reality. And then before you know it, which is what the training was all about, what is the training that you can trust that will automatically kick in when you need it the most? And then Ramon would have done just that. Fantastic. So no talent, no mental toughness, no, what did, what did they say, page 34 about gratitude or whatever, you have shifted to becoming a big point player at your age and ability and kick in. And have a lot of fun, may I say. We don't talk enough about fun. All our yeah. people just have so much fun training, playing matches and loving tiebreaks. And I'll just say one more thing that the training is amazingly fun, but it's also incredibly condensed and, and short. So instead of spending two hours a day for four days a week and, you know, grinding your body into the ground, we're talking about a few hours of training each week that is hyper-focused that, you know, if you know about the 80, 20 principle, pretty much in everything in nature, 20% of the things that you do are going to get you 80% of the results. So what Mark did brilliantly in this program is really boil it down to what are the 20% of skills that if we only focused on those things would get us 80% of the results. And so that's, that's really what you're doing in these sessions. Um, and people love it. Like the two hours go by in, in the blink of an eye and, you know, and they want to come back the next day. Uh, so it's, it's incredibly powerful from a time standpoint. If you don't have a lot of time, if you're a professional, um, but you still want to go out and you want to win more matches quickly, you don't want to spend loads of hours on court hitting millions of balls and obsessing about technique. You can win more matches with your, the skills that you already have. Um, and I think that's, that's powerful for a lot of people because we get this idea in our head that we've got to dominate our opponents and, you know, we're going to have to spend loads and loads of time refining our technique and getting fitter and all that stuff. And all that stuff's great, but you can very quickly by selecting the right skills, you know, and, and we really only train three shots if you're playing singles, that's the serve, the, the return to serve in the forehand and spending a disproportionate amount of time on those skills uh, can do, do really well with it. See Ramon, as a man from Los Angeles that we've never yet met, never yet been on court, I always listen to you and think, oh, amazing. He is an ambassador for this. And it's not as though you knew nothing. You know, you knew lots and you know all the gurus and seen everything. So big applause to you, mate. And we'll see each other as soon as COVID allows me to get there. And Maribon, you, you come out anytime, man. You got a court. We'll go out and train. It'll be, it'll be amazing. Yeah, for sure. I appreciate that invite. Yeah, it definitely would be a lot of fun, uh, especially having known you for a while, Ramon. Um, uh, so in terms of the training that you mentioned, it, it's fantastic that it's, you know, it's not like a hugely long and you can get a lot of impact on the individual in a short amount of time. What part of the training would you say has been the most impactful that people have, have said, wow, like this particular aspect of it is what really made the difference for me? Ramon, because you have a couple of students that have just taken up the game at the age of 55, competitive and want to win. So you're probably, is it gamification? 
that uh, they're up for or you you've done it I, I ask him the question and it, it's always kind of like everything because you know one thing that we do is we really break down the fundamental skills of each stroke and and break it down into the simplest way and so we've now teamed up with uh billy jean king's eye coach so you can train these skills to a large extent from home that have a hundred percent transfer to the court so just the the condensed nature of how quickly you can actually acquire skills that you use to go out and execute the two shot combinations the incredible workout that they get because we're always sort of right at the edge and outside of the comfort zone. Um, so there's never, there's never a dull moment. People are either um, acquiring a skill or they're gassed or they're playing a game against themselves or they're playing a game against you. Um, yeah, I, I get everything a lot, but Mark, or they've you... been shouted at tough love. <laughs> yeah. Some age of there. Come on, you horrible little man. You, <laughs> Yeah, Mark is definitely the bad cop. I tend to be more of the good cop. So it's the military. I can see that. Very good. So another question uh, I have, like a, a, a common scenario is is players who they just, for whatever reason, they go on a big losing streak. And that's obviously very mentally uh, taxing. And that's further reinforcing, you know, the, the bad results and all that. So um, what what advice do you have for these players to get out of those types of ruts? Mark, um, what do you got? Yeah, okay. So always you just come back to the basics and you just have to put investment time into the bank and draw it out when you need it the most. So in singles, we've got four two-shot combinations really to practice. And in doubles, three two-shot combinations. So you just need to put time on the court with or without a coach going through the processes between the points and executing the shots and just putting that back in. So when you go to play a match, two more things. One is people have a view of how well they can play. It doesn't matter what level it is, but let's just say it's 10. So in my mind, I know I can play at that level. So we go and play a match. And for all sorts of reasons, the chances of you playing at 10 are slim. Sleep, work, uh, there are millions of reasons why you won't play at 10. But we still think that's the level I should be playing at. But you might only be playing at seven on that day. So instead of having seven as your new 10, you're still trying to play in the gap between seven and 10 and then making loads of mistakes. And then that reinforces the story going on in your brain of whatever it is that you're self-sabotaging on. So that would certainly be uh, one thing to do is listen to your body and what level out of 10 are you playing on that day? And then secondly, train the break basics and bring, and bring the basics to the match. As soon as you start relying on talent, talent has a habit of being a fair weather friend and going off when you need it the most. Uh, what many people don't know is that 
under pressure conditions, and we like to say with pressure conditions, information comes to you quicker, but it's flawed. So it's like instead of three burly men putting their shoulders on a big oak door at the same time and the door opening, so the door shuts. So you're getting information coming in a, in a disconnected way. If you haven't trained your brain to trust your instincts, the brain will now be in a mechanical chunking 50 to 100 bits per second of processing speed with information coming into you quicker but flawed. And you're probably playing one shot at a time, which is reactive, spontaneous. So you've got all those three things happening. So it should not come as a surprise. It should come, yes, under pressure, that is where I'm expected to shank the shots. So conversely then, if you train your instincts, so now you can process information up to 14 million bits per second rather than 100 bits per second. If you can train yourself to get into flow, and we all know how great that is with the ball going slowly and like a balloon, and you've trained yourself to hit it with the sweet spot, all those are basics. They sound like talent, but they're basics and they're process. What it isn't is talent, and talent, as we know, is brittle with the reasons that I've just stated. Very much Yeah, so, And for some much. reason, we are addicted to talent. We love talent. Well, Fedra, here you go, Ramon. No, we love talent. We want to be talented. Yes, but why can't we just be Djokovic and win? Federer is much better looking. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. So what Mark said, too, I want to add one thing, Marbon, is having a, having a process. Like Mark's talked a lot about process. And one of the big ahas for me was when you're in a match, you're only actually in the point 20% of the time. And 80% of the time you're in between points or in between games or in between sets. So if you had a process that, like Mark said, got you into flow, that stripped out all of that noise that's going on in your head, that you could reliably train and practice and then go out and execute on match day, that would keep you centered and would kind of keep you in the zone, um, that would be absolutely massive. What Mark's done is really boiled down a 25 second process that anybody can do that no matter what level you're at can instantly get you into a more clear, more confident uh, frame of mind. And with the training and going out and executing those two shot combinations can very quickly start to build the belief that it doesn't really matter what's going to happen next because you've got your process, you've got your two shot sequences in the bank, and then you can detach yourself from the outcome and then go out and play on autopilot. So it's very freeing. Very nice. And this, and so, Mervyn, this sounds ahead. like a mass of information. I feel as we're talking now, there's just an overwhelm of info. But I do want to stress that it's simple, process-driven. Anybody can do it, and it's fun. You don't have to be mentally tough, uh, nor the brains of Einstein. Ramon's done it, and he's one, and he's not <laughs> Einstein. <laughs> Absolutely not. My wife will tell you the same thing. Still a smart man in my book. Um, can you give us any insight into that? You know, you mentioned like a 25 um, second process. Like what does that uh, generally comprise of or what is it comprised of? Ramon? 
Uh, so, so basically, we, we've got 25 seconds in between points. And I think what most people do and what I did for years was kind of like, all right, point breaks down. I, and I would either congratulate myself on a good shot for 10 to 15 seconds, or I'd kick myself uh, and curse under my breath for 10 to 15 seconds based on how the last point went. Then I would kind of look around, you know, I'd look at my opponent and I'd say, okay, I'm going to go get him, and I'm going to go try and serve big. So the brain loves clarity and the brain loves to be sort of uh, calm, you know, in that state of almost Zen. And Mark put this thing together. It's, it's pretty amazing. So within the first half second or so, you put your eyes on your strings. And you see pros do this all the time. They're not necessarily fiddling with the strings. They're really just stilling their eyes and focusing on the center of the racket so that the mind gets centered and, and still. So now we're into, you know, half a second to, to one second. And the next thing we do is we take one dynamic breath. And Wim Hof. <laughs> like a Wim Hof, yeah. It's like box breathing, right? So inhale for three seconds, hold for three seconds, and then exhale for six seconds. And what that does is it really flushes uh, the mind of, of all thoughts. You're centered on the breath, you're getting oxygen to the blood, you're getting oxygen to the muscles, you're getting oxygen to the brain. And it has a very calming effect on you and actually empties your brain so that now we've got a prime fertile field to visualize the next two shot combination that we've trained. So we have a detailed visualization of how the next two shots are gonna go. Uh, once we've done that, the next thing we go through is our getting into our prime state. We learned this from Tony Robbins, where you sort of anchor an emotion that uh, between a auditory signal in our brain, like, come on, or whatever, you say this to your head, then you can anchor a kinesthetic, you can have like a, a wrist that you snap or a finger that you touch. And then you can visualize, as Mark does, sort of electricity flowing through your body. So now you've got this abundance of energy. And you can actually feel, if you did this, the energy coming through your body and the electricity going through, through you. Uh, and then the last thing, I think, the last thing we do is to go blank. And this is the hardest part, because you could do everything else. But if you start thinking or you start overanalyzing before the next point, you're out of flow. So the last thing you do is just go blank and trust that the next point, because you've trained it, uh, is going to get played out the way, uh, the, the way that you want it to. And if you can't do that, then you just give yourself one cue, um, whatever that cue might be. So that would be the 25-second process. And that has to be trained just like everything else, because as soon as you get under pressure, you know, if, you're, if you haven't trained that in the training court, then it... it goes away and, and you're back to the old programming. So um, that would I think be the Ramon, process. The key, that's a key point. If you just think how many hours you spent on your forehand, for instance, you need to invest, not a lot, but you need to invest a bit of time to train this new muscle that Ramon has just been through. Um, and we would argue there's three types of pressure on the mat. So the biggest one is the is the closing out pressure, it's external, it washes all over you, you can't do anything about it. We would certainly do our process for those. Uh, the next level of pressure 
I think is linked to what Brad Gilbert would say is that 50% of the points in a match are big points. You know, 30 all is a big point. Win two, two points on the trot, that's the game. And once we are trained to raise our game and play our best under external pressure, we can now be trained to simulate, generate internal pressure within ourselves. Um, and right now I can feel it washing all over me. So cool, that's the trigger for us to get into our prime state. And then we've got the, the remaining 50% of points, which are match pressure points. So it's nothing, they're not a turning point for us to trigger pressure and they're certainly not closing out, but it's not like being on the practice court. So those are the other 50. So, and what we tend to find is uh, whilst we would do the process for 50% of the points, those match ones, you have to be trained like Djokovic to do the 25 seconds because that's what you do. That's how you play a match, just like you breathe. But that requires you know, some, some elite training. But it does account for the fact that often we hear, and Aaron Boynton was the first to do it in uh, Canada's National Plus 55's final, beating somebody she'd never, ever beaten before. So people do say, oh, it was a, it was a really tough match, but, but, I, but I won. I go, okay, Aaron, what's the score? And apologetically, she goes, well, it was 6-2, 6-1, but it was really, really tight. I just happened to have won the big points on most of the games. So that's why a, somebody can be beating you 7-5, 6-4, and within a fairly short space of time, not only have you reversed that, but you can get down to the six two six ones, and it sounds all, you know, voodoo and magic dust and too good to be true. But Ramon might have experienced it. I don't know. Yep. No, absolutely. I think the, the biggest thing too is in the doubles training, your ability to have a single unifying, uh, and this is a whole nother can of worms we might not talk about today, but one principle that allows you to team up with anybody and go out and play as a team and execute at a really high level, provided that they're open to you being the leader and sort of asking them to do um, what you want them to do. So you tell them what you're going to do, and then you ask them if they'd be comfortable doing what you want them to do. And uh, without bragging, I've gone undefeated in, in the last two USTA leagues, playing with a variety of different partners um, because of that, because you have a plan and you have a process that you can go out and do. This is a kid who was overweight, had the, the worst story athletically that you could possibly have. Um, that got bumped up from a, from a four Oh to four five, cause I was dealing with injuries and now, you know, I'm planning to go out and be a five Oh in the next year or so. And I'll finally be able to compete with you, Maribon. So, uh, it'll be great. So it's, it's really phenomenal training. And I think one thing, um, people might be curious about is we talked about the four skills of execution and pressure and the knowledge of tactics and then the mental emotional training. And, you know, how does Djokovic do this? Well, what Mark and I have done in the, in the last year is create a tool that's free that you can go out and it'll ask you a series of questions. And then based on how you answer those questions, uh, will give you a score in each of those four areas. And it'll, it'll tell you probably a lot about what you're going through now, but more importantly, how you can go out and train 
to move that needle just a tick to the right. And if everybody got a tick better in execution and tactics and pressure and the mental emotional, that would be amazing. Um, so you can actually take that uh, quiz and that tool if you'd like. Uh, Maribon, we've got a link for you. I don't know if there's a way to put this in the show notes. Yeah, for sure, Ramon. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So I will put the link in the show notes. Uh, I can read it to you right now briefly, which it's going to be mirban.thewinningformula.tennis. Uh, so that's M-E-H-R-B-A-N.thewinningformula.tennis. But yes, if you look in the show notes um, in your podcast app of choice or uh, on tennisfiles.com slash podcast, then you will see uh, the link in the show notes for sure. Awesome. And it's, it's great. It's great fun. And, and it'll sort of force you to, to think about how you actually perform in certain situations, what's going on in your head. And you will, I guarantee you, uh, have a great time. And you'll learn some stuff that'll help you immediately. Uh, and that, that tool is free. So if you're listening to this uh, and you want to take your competitive tennis game to the next level, uh, that would be a really good thing for you to do. Awesome. Fantastic stuff. Uh, I was curious too, to ask, um, you know, besides, uh, the training, it, do you find that other extraneous things like, um, uh, sleep nutrition, like, are those things that you talk about at all? Or like, do, do you have any opinions on how much that can potentially affect, uh, performance? Well, this has not been medically confirmed, but I think the carne sod and beer diet is very good <laughs> for performance. Sounds delicious. No. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's, it's important. I think, you know, one of the things I've learned the hard way is, you know, recovery is, is so important, especially as we get older and to put your body through this stuff, we've got to do yeah. things to, to keep ourselves out there. Mark's doing yoga for what's it called? Stiff guy yoga, Mark. Stiff guy yoga, get your 25 year old body back in 30 days. And you can see it's worked, Mervan. It's worked. <laughs> Looks good. Wow, I'm going to check that out. Just imagine what it was like before I did the yoga. <laughs> and oh, as, a, as, yeah. a, as a plug for anybody listening to this, there's a guy out there who you may have heard of. His name is Ben Patrick. Uh, we don't get any sort of affiliate commissions from him, but his stuff is so good. Uh, he, you can find him on YouTube as Knees Over Toes Guy. Uh, for the lower body, I mean, his, his stuff is incredible. Um, and then, yes, sleeping, nutrition, all of that stuff is, is you know, if you want to be playing at a high level in your 50s, 60s, 70s, 80s, uh, yeah, I haven't found a way around it yet. Got to eat good food and got to sleep. Well, as we said a few times, mind, body, and soul is integrated. So give yourself a best chance of winning and recovery and having more fun, which is what it's all about, uh, you ought to obviously have better sleep and have hydration and nutrition and uh, stretch and have strength. You know, why wouldn't you? And tennis, of course, is a very unbalanced sport. So I know, not personally, but as part of the winning summit, um, the fitness trainer for Djokovic trains is obsessive, is about balance and particularly balance in transition from one shot to the other is a key component because we obviously serve one way, we do forehands one way, we become very unbalanced in our body. Yes, 100%. Um, uh, this is, 
I was going to say a fun question, but it's not actually, especially for you, Mark, but, um, you know, we're, <laughs> we're recording this the day after the, the Euros. And I know I mentioned this before the uh, podcast, so it's probably torturing Mark, but, uh, and you know, I, I'm a big, uh, premier league fan for soccer. So football, I should say. So, uh, how to, how do any of the viewers who are England fans mentally recover from yesterday? <laughs> well, it's a trauma, isn't it? That's, it is a trauma. Um, and from my point of view, we had them. We had them and we could have put our foot down and made sure they didn't get up. But no, come on, let's get your confidence back. We'll defend. No, we hate seeing you. You're going to cry. Come on, let, let's let you go back in the game. So we did that for a while. Um, and then interesting, bringing big point player training into penalties um, our three lads that missed without being anything but kind and supportive to them because they put themselves there. But it was interesting to note that they used a lot of talent on their penalty taking. Kane, Maguire became Djokovic-like, ran up, had a great point of contact, had a visualization where the ball was going to go, and that was their process. And if the goalkeeper saved it, he saved it, but the chances are unlikely. Whereas the three that missed it did some fancy run up and a stutter and looked into the goalkeeper's eyes, went them one way, tried to go the ball in another way. And that probably works on the training ground. I don't think it works with a global audience when you're there to shoot and win the European Championships. Talent goes. It's a fair weather friend. There you go. Thanks for asking me that because I've got some of my venom and passion out there. For sure. For sure. It's funny because I actually interviewed uh, Claudio Pistolesi um, uh, last week or a few days ago. And, you know, he's a big uh, Italy fan. And um, yeah. yeah, anyways, I, I commiserations. You know, I was hoping for Kane to get his first trophy because I'm a Hotspurs fan, Tottenham. Um, but that wasn't to be yeah. either. But you know, have you taken counseling for that, by the way? <laughs> no, I just tell myself jokes every day and that seems to work for me. Um, that, that's what I do. Oof, yeah. You are, we told you, you are a proper football fan because Tottenham put you through the ringer every yeah. season. Yes, it's, so it's well very done. mentally, uh, mentally draining. I think I'm going to need to go and fill out the, uh, the questions on the page that I recommend everyone else go to. And, uh, that would be good. So, um, I just want to close by, well, uh, maybe two questions, but the first question is what I ask pretty much every guest. And I'll, I'll actually ask it to both of you, which is if you could, um, erect a, a huge billboard in the most trafficked, um, street on your in your city and you could have it say anything that you wanted to say and i'm stealing this directly from tim ferris great podcast but um okay. what what uh what would you put on that um have fun and the big fat w's will come and you made it rhyme that's okay. amazing <laughs> I, i've just made that up i'm so proud of myself <laughs> Mark the rapper. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> DJ Jeffrey. Absolutely. Come on, boy. Right. Get him down. That, that's right. Uh, now for you, Ramon. I would, I would say, uh, oh, man, that's a tough question. 
I would say start your day intentionally. Uh, have a have a vision of what your future is going to be, and be more in love with your future than uh, your past. Mm, love that. That's great. So, um, and the last question, I just want to give you um, both the floor just to to see if you have any you know closing thoughts or anything that you want to say to the audience before we uh, close for this episode. Oh, thank you. I would like to go first for a moment. So really, I want to stress this is for any age and any ability level. That this is straightforward. I wouldn't call it simple, but I would call it straightforward. And you don't need to change your grip and you don't need to become mentally tough. To get more fun. And there's only a percentage of people that play tennis because they are a competitive beast and they want to win matches. People play tennis for fun, that's great, and social. People play tennis to get fit, that's fun. People do competitive recreational tennis, that's fine. But there's only a percentage of us that play tennis because we love it and we're competitive animals that we win and we know we win should win more. So for those, I really would, I would beg you, come and try the training program. The risk and the, the guarantees are all on us. And... Uh, let you not do what I did for decades in my life, which was learn by painful experience and hope that at one day you find out how to win the big points under pressure. Because you can be trained just like the military do. Perfect. Yeah, I'd just like that. to thank you. I'd like to thank you, Mayor Bond, for having us on here. You're, you're a phenomenal yeah. host. Uh, this, is, this is always fun. And I want to thank you guys for listening to this. Um, and if you are a competitive tennis player, like Mark said, and you want to take the next step in your evolution and, and quickly start beating the players that you may have lost to, or you, you have a vision of where you want to go, but maybe you're, uh, you know, you're, you're getting up there, you're 50 or 60, uh, you can absolutely quickly start winning more matches at your level. We've had people do it uh, repeatedly. And I would just invite you to take that diagnostic tool to find out where you're starting from, because you can't know the path to get to where you want to go until you know where you're starting from. So we got that tool for you. It's at marebon.thewinningformula.tennis. Uh, we'll put it in the show notes. And I uh, just want to thank you all for listening. And, and Marebon, thanks again for having us, man. Marebon, thank you for the invitation. Really, really appreciate it. For sure. Thank you both. And I really uh, hope you can come down to Ramon's court. Love to train you. Yeah, that would be amazing. We'll definitely have to set that up um, at Ramon's place. Uh, yeah, uh, we'd have a great time. So I want to thank you both too for all your work, um, you know, in this area of tennis. And uh, you've, you've clearly been Im impacting a lot of players for the better as I've you know, seen a lot of testimonials on, on the website. Yeah. So um, yeah, thanks again. And I'm sure we'll chat again soon. And thanks everybody for listening as well. And we'll talk to you later. All right. I hope you really enjoyed this fun interview with myself, Mark Jeffrey and Ramon Osa. And thanks to you both, uh, you gents for coming on to the show. Really enjoyed it. Learned a lot for sure. And again, really encourage you to check out the Big Point Player free quiz. Uh, just go to mirabon.thewinningformula.tennis. That's M-E-H-R-B-A-N dot thewinningformula.tennis. And you'll find out a lot more about yourself and how you can improve uh, your tennis career. 
All right. I also would uh, really appreciate it if you would subscribe to the Tennis Files podcast. If you haven't already, just hit that subscribe button in your podcast app of choice that you use to listen to the show. And let me leave you with a quote as I often love to do at the end of the show as well. And this one is by Audrey Hepburn. And Audrey said, nothing is impossible. The word itself says I'm possible. Really like that one. Uh, I know, you know, maybe some of you might think that's cornier or something, but it is very true and definitely inspiring. And yeah, love that one. All right. Well, thanks so much for listening. We've got a great episode coming up with Coach Claudio Pistolesi, who uh, I'm sure was very happy with the results of the Euros finals, if any of you watch soccer. (laughs) So commiserations to the English fans and congrats to the Italian fans and really congrats to both for a great tournament. All right. Well, that is it for this one. And I will see you on the next episode of the Tennis Files podcast. Take care. Thanks for listening to the Tennis Files podcast. For more tips to help you improve your tennis game, visit TennisFiles.com.